I think I bet you we could all agree that this has been a pretty challenging year, hasn't it? Uh, it's been chaotic. It's been unsettling. It's been a time of separation. It's been a time of anxiety. And with this ongoing pandemic, we have an even greater need than usual to find a reason for hope this year. To, to find hope that maybe tomorrow will be better than today. With a, a brighter future and, and hopefully fewer fears. But then that's what's so great about Advent, like Marshall read for us this morning, because it's a season of hope. Hope renewed in our longing for Christ. A hope realized and fulfilled at the incarnation in that distant past at Bethlehem. But not only that. It's not just a nostalgic longing for uh, bygone days, but it's a living an eager sense of anticipation as we're waiting and preparing and looking expectantly for Christ's return again. And, and it's, it's not with some soppy, uh, sentimental, hallmark movie kind of hope. Because, you know, genuine hope is more than just a feeling. It's not simply being perpetually optimistic or just having a positive attitude. Because unlike the movies, you know, things like hope and faith and love are, are not magic words that can be sprinkled around like pixie dust and suddenly everything all falls together when the credits roll. Right? That's, that's not what Christian hope looks like. Not at all. Because our kind of hope really helps when the chips are down. Uh, our hope doesn't ignore fear or discount anxiety or disregard sincerely held doubts. On the contrary, it confronts them head on. It holds steady. It clings to peace. Peace even in the midst of chaos. It stands firm in the midst of storms. All because it's carried along by something greater than ourselves and our circumstances. It's carried along by a certainty in something that we know has already happened in antiquity. And something even greater that's going to happen when all of history comes to its apex. Because our hope is not just in an idea. It's not just a part of a philosophy. It's not just locked into the legalistic practice of a religion. And at the same time, it's not a, a pie-in-the-sky promise for Pollyanna types or something that's only accessible by some esoteric mystery, but rather something that's all contained, just, just as, as that song says, just plainly and perfectly and powerfully in a person, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and the confidence we can have in him as the source of our help and the only hope that we have of eternal life and redemption. And we're going to see that uh, Advent hope laid out for us in our psalm today in Psalm 121. And so I hope you're following along in your own Bibles there too. It's, it's great that it's in mine, but it's more important that it's in yours. And uh, listen to the these psalm, a uh, song of ascents. And the psalmist writes, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. 
Amen. And brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord to us today. Let's pray. Precious Holy Spirit, we thank you for the reading of this word. We know that you promised that when the word goes forward, uh, it has nothing to do with me, it has nothing to do with uh, a sermon or, or the broadcast that we're doing, but it has only to do with the movement of your spirit. And so we ask uh, for the gift of that spirit now that these words would go forward would be yours because you promised they won't return to you in vain, but accomplish all that you purpose. And so we ask for that now, Lord. Show us Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So for those of you uh, here or for folks maybe listening online who maybe don't know, uh, this Sunday marks the second week of Advent, that time in the liturgical calendar that runs through the four Sundays uh, leading up to Christmas Day and marks it out as a time for priming our hearts to receive the treasure of Christ at the Feast of Nativity. And it's an important spiritual practice not to miss because, you know, amidst all of the frenetic end-of-year chaos, it's so easy to squander these precious moments of waiting and remembering and hoping for the future. And not just for the the future of a few short years that we may have left here, but uh, our eternal future, our future in the, the peace and rest of the new heaven and the new earth that awaits us in the new Jerusalem. Are you guys ready for that? I know I am. Because I'd be willing to bet that many of us know all too well what it's like for December to blur by and we arrive on the doorstep of Christmas Day as another exhausted casualty of our consumeristic age full of organizing and, and shopping and stressing and eating and, and stress eating, right? But in the midst of all of that angst that we feel today's psalm speaks so clearly in its call to stop and reflect on our desperate need to know that the ebb and flow of our everyday circumstances is not all there is and to help us figure that out before it's too late and before we lose it and i don't mean don't don't mishear me i don't mean losing your salvation but i mean failing to hold on to the hope and help and healing that only comes in a close intimate healthy relationship with god a relationship that only he can give. Uh, a relationship that, as Christians, we need. We need it not only for ourselves, but we need it as witnesses before a watching world. Uh, because I know it's no secret to you, we live in a time where way too many people have no hope. From, from wars and, and, and famine and disease uh, to, to broken families and divorce, uh, we live in a godless time and the hopelessness of our world really shows it. It's plain. But, but you know what's even sadder than a hopeless world? is a hopeless church. A hopeless church. A people who have forgotten uh, who God is. People of God who have looked to other things as their source of hope and have been let down. Uh, and it's not just a 21st century problem. Uh, hopelessness is not new to humanity. And it wasn't uncommon for the ancient people of God to fall prey to it as well. And so God spoke through his prophets. And he spoke through the psalmists. Like today, he spoke inspired, hope-filled promises to give them and us an anchor for our souls. That's why the psalmist said repeatedly, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Then he says again, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He'll keep your life safe. The Lord will keep you're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And he didn't keep 
saying that over and over again because he had nothing else to say. It's repetition for a reason. A reason that goes well beyond just the process of constructing some really great poetic lyrics. Now remember, repetition in the Old Testament is always for emphasis and for degrees of perfection. And that's what makes it so meaningful in this psalm today because when you look at those verses, if you have it open in front of you, in verses uh, 5, 7, and 8, uh, and depending on what translation you have, our English translation, you're going to see uh, either the Lord will watch or keep or preserve or guard, depending on what translation you're looking at. The Hebrew of those all three verses start exactly the same. They all start out with the words, Yehovah Shemir, Yehovah Shemir, Yehovah Shemir, the Lord your keeper. And who's our thrice perfect keeper? Christ. Christ is our guard and our preserver and our Savior. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, whose name literally means God saves. And that's what the psalmist was looking forward to prophetically in Psalm 121. And that, that harkens back today to this ageless promise of Advent because God's divine plan for the world and for his people is that there is only one hope and one help and one preservation in one name alone, and that's the name of Jesus. Because God has given no other avenue, no other word, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Just like the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, in Romans 10, he said, This word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. See, and that's the thing we need to slow down and recall as 2020 draws to a close. Uh, not, not the passage of time or the infirmity of our bodies or holidays long past or the hectic days ahead. But instead, we need to reclaim God's promises fulfilled at Christ's birth and be reminded of just how intensely the incarnation of Jesus shook the world and to recognize how it infuses it even now with a heavenly hope and an eternal meaning that goes miles deeper than our Christmas time family traditions and, and pretty lights and expensive gifts and, and a possibly the chance to replenish our depleted stockpile of sweatpants and tube socks. If that was on my Christmas list, I didn't peek. Right? But, but instead, we, we need to recapture hope today. Hope, because here we are, and somehow it's already the 6th of December, with less than a month to go until the new year, and only 17 days until Christmas. Uh, boy, did that go fast, huh? Yeah, can you believe it? And, and, and for some of you, you're looking forward to that, to all of that. Uh, busyness and hecticness, but for others, let's be honest, you're dreading it, right? And our psalmist today knew a little something about dread. That's why he said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Kind of an odd thing to say, but for him to look off at the hills far in the distance might have been to recognize that the road ahead is not necessarily smooth or easy. Uh, think about it. Hills require more energy and physical strength to travel, don't they? Uh, they'll give you more of a workout than level ground. Hills can also make you feel less safe. They can hide things from us. They can make it so you can't always see what's coming around the corner. Especially in ancient times. In ancient times, hills 
and rocky passes left perfect places for robbers and thieves to hide and then leap out onto unsuspecting travelers. So going to the hills meant potential danger. That's why that question about hills is followed with a desperate plea. From where does my help come? From where does my help come? And then barely taking a breath in between, the psalmist answers his own question. He says, well, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And that's so important because think about it, church. If you don't know who or why someone is coming, who cares when they're going to arrive? What, what possible difference could it make? If you don't know to expect a package in the mail, you don't keep watching out the window for the postman to show up. If you don't know that you have a need, you won't be searching for the means to, to fill it so that even if it was right in front of you, you might not recognize it. But Advent is the season in which we are reminded of our desperate need, our thirst, our, our yearning for the only thing that can bring any lasting fulfillment as these decades pass because our faith is not simply rooted in just a person who was born to a poor but noble family in a backwater town called Bethlehem. But it's rooted in who that person is and what he came to do. What he came to do in bringing us the long-awaited hope of salvation that we find only in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. In Jesus, the Messiah, whose first coming was foretold by the prophets hundreds of years before he was born. Uh, as they eagerly waited for the church age that we have the privilege of living in now. That's why the Apostle Peter wrote in his first letter uh, concerning this salvation the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ. 